Hi, welcome back. We had a technical interruption with the internet at my house going down for about five hours. But we're back later in the day with Zane. A totally different mood. So how's it going, Zane? Going good, going good. Uh, a little bit mellow. Yeah. But um, yeah, still bright. <laughs> so I we were talking about something that you were going to look into in the future as far as programming goes i think that's what we were talking about when when we were interrupted yeah you... i was uh, asking you about like uh, web design and stuff like that because you have your own like blog and you have your own podcast and both those things i'm uh, pretty ambitious about getting into um like i mentioned earlier i was uh doing this programming language uh, and uh, took, I was taking this course on Udemy uh, called Python Bootcamp. And, um, you know, I was, I was thinking after I do Python, I was wondering which programming languages I should learn after. And I also took some notes down that you uh, gave me some of the programming languages like JavaScript, uh, told me about Linux. I definitely want to look into Linux. Um, also, MongoBD, of course, that I want to get into my S my SQL, and also some cloud computing. Um, are there any other languages you can think of that uh, that I could possibly get into for web design? Well, one that, as far as web design goes, you could learn a, a bit of CSS, which, and then just you know HTML basics, which you've already kind of kind of looked into already um javascript is really probably the main one that they're using you know on the internet um so i think all that that stuff will keep you busy for quite a while one thing that i learned uh really well i learned how to do Perl really well then um but python is sort of similar in what it's trying to accomplish compared to Perl. So it's, that would be just an extra. I learned it really well, and it's very useful as far as, you know, basic file text modifications and, and maybe running some quick scripts here and there. But, you know, Python is probably going to do most of that same stuff that Perl is doing. So, you know, I think if you just focus really hard on all of those basics and maybe learn the whole mean stack, you know, with like like in that book I recommended. Um, mm -hmm. Each of those should keep you really, really busy. And yeah, yeah you, you'll, once you master that, I'm sure you'll, on your own, you'll come to the next thing that you need to learn. Or mm -hmm. even before you master that stuff, you, you know, you might get a tip from someone else. I think that's mm -hmm. the main things that I would recommend though, personally, so. Gotcha. Yeah, because also uh, before when the, podcast got cut off. Uh, we were also talking about cryptocurrency and um, I, I definitely want to get into that. Definitely want to learn about um, just the whole concept behind it, you know, like blockchain, cryptography, everything else that's with it. Um, the way that the blog is going to work is like I'm going to be working on a lot of projects. Uh, I mean, I sound ambitious, but uh, definitely like a general broad range of different types of projects, uh, including like getting into uh, cryptocurrency. And this is basically to kind of just figure out what I can, what I like and what I don't like. Um, who knows, maybe I might, I really might like it a lot. I also want to try like, like I mentioned, learning how to, learning about ethical hacking. 
um, not hacking into other people's computers or cars or anything like that. Although that might be cool. Um, but definitely just to learn about cybersecurity, information technology, and that whole world, you know, because I know that um, IT and computer science are two different types of fields, you know. Uh, I am kind of leaning more on computer science, but I also want to check out IT and uh, definitely machine learning and deep learning. I want to learn about those. I've been, yeah, doing a lot of research on YouTube and those, honestly, those, um, those fields sound very fascinating to me. In fact, there's this um, tutorial that I want to do soon um, where you can basically play Grand Theft Auto V on your computer and have Python um, play the game for you and drive the car around, like, and do all this other, all this kind of stuff. So that's, that's something that I want to look into. Yeah, that's really neat. I, I do like that one. If you, I, there is one more programming language that I forgot about because uh, it's not one that I'd mastered, but I'd used it and it's very common, especially when it comes to data crunching or like you said, machine learning, any type of statistics and quite a bit of other stuff. So this one is called R and it's just the letter R. And uh, I found it to be a little bit different than most of the other like C++ based languages like Python, for example, and even mm -hmm. JavaScript is based on C++, but you know, R is, is just a little bit different. It wasn't that bad. I found mm -hmm. it a little tricky and I think if you get started on it kind of early, um, that's a really useful one as far as you know, data crunching, statistics. Uh, if you're looking for, you know, a job or I don't know what you're, where you're going to end up, but each of these technologies, you'll learn a lot. And it doesn't even necessarily matter which one you start with. It's just like if, you, if you're looking in multiple directions, uh, you know, you're going to pick up a whole, a big skill set. And part of that skill set is just being able to learn a new language when you need to or to research on your own what, what you need to learn and then learn that. So I think you're already kind of down the right path and got the right idea in your head. But yeah, I would recommend that one as well, R. Yeah, um, the reason why I, I picked such a, like I said, a broad um, um, base of different kind of things regarding coding, like projects and languages, is I find it, I find it more enjoyable that way. It's just to be able to explore the realm of coding and what it has to offer because just like focusing too much on, on just one particular thing can get boring after a while. So just to keep my interest going within the field, it's just to learn it broad and um, hopefully find something that, that really interests me. But so far I'm really enjoying this whole adventure. I, I could say into like computers and stuff like that. Um, the reason why I chose Python is because uh, I mean, it was the, the number one most recommended language to learn. Um, and it is supposed to be the one with the most demand for uh, jobs uh, as the, the job demand grows for programmers. So that's, that's something I want to look into. But it's not the, the one that I want to stick to. And it, honestly, you know, it, it never really came to mind, Python. I actually heard about different languages like JavaScript, like you mentioned, and uh, HTML, of course, and C++, actually, because there's this uh, game that I want to kind of like develop add-ons for. It's called uh, Orbiter Space Flight Simulator, and that one uses uh, C++, so that's something that I want to learn as well. But uh, because that Python is the most widely used language, I think that that's, that's the reason why I want to get to know it, and also because it's the, they say it's the most easiest one to learn. So like before you want to learn other languages, like you mentioned R or 
You mean like uh, MySQL or CSS or anything? Uh, Python would be something I want to start first. And then eventually I want to get into the more complicated languages and hopefully into Linux, you know? Well, I, I think I haven't tried Python. I bet you it's complicated enough to keep you busy and mastering any programming language could take decades. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But each of those languages kind of has a different focus and an entirely different sort of coding style, ex except for like C++, Python, and uh, JavaScript. They, they kind of are the same style, but they're, they've sort of got different focus. And I think you're right about, um, you know, maybe even taking it all the way back to C++. You can't go wrong learning C++ really well. And that'll, that'll teach mm -hmm. you a lot of things that you're not going to learn in other languages about, you know, how the computer actually allocates memory and um, it, it's a it's a powerful one and, and uh, you know still being used by a lot of of uh, developers all over the place mm -hmm. so uh, I think you're on the right track I would just you know continue continue down that path and I think you're mm -hmm. right about um, Mm. learning a lot of different languages to keep it interesting and and i think as long as you're following kind of like your heart on that and you're keeping it interesting for yourself mm. and it, once it starts to get boring and feels like it's you know work and yeah. you're just almost like banging your head against the wall which can happen a whole lot with computers mm -hmm. uh, that's usually a signal that it's time to like take a break or switch to something else or maybe maybe forget mm. about that in programming language or, or book or whatever it was entirely for a little bit and then come back a little later when, when your interest peak up, peaks back mm -hmm. up. That's, I like to do that style. You know, I think, like for example, when I played guitar, I always, it was always fun for me to play guitar and mm -hmm. as soon as it got boring, I'd put it down. Whereas, and I got really, really good at guitar that way. Other mm -hmm. people, some, some people try to make it into a work or make it into a chore or feel like yeah, they have just, to follow a book and then mm -hmm. it gets boring and then that discourages them and then they quit. And you know, if you're having fun and you're doing it pretty regularly here and there, you're going to mm -hmm. get so good at that over the, over the long term that, you know, you'll be really talented at it. So I think as long as you keep it fresh that way, you'll be just fine. Right. Yeah. That's just uh, the way that I like to, to do it. You know, as the, the months have passed and uh, you know, I'm beginning to learn more about myself and how my workflow is and stuff like that, uh, especially with something like programming. I mean, Python, honestly, is a very, really nice language. I like it a lot. It's very clean. And uh, it's also used for, like, deep learning and stuff like that. Eventually, I want to get more into those kind of fields. Um, but, yeah, Python is, is it's really good. Um, and it, since it's the most widely used language, that's something I might get into. But you also mentioned, like, C++ and how a lot of people use it today. Um, uh, what is your view like on the field of on, on language C++? Do you think that it's going to be like obsolete within um, the next couple of years or so? Because I hear a lot of people talking about it and they don't really have anything positive to say about it in terms of like future jobs and stuff. Do you believe that C++ is, is still going to be a, a, a widely used language in the future? Well, I wouldn't say it's going to be widely widely used. The uh, what I why I think it would be useful to learn C++, and you might start with the other languages that are a little bit easier and a little more widely used. C++ mm -hmm. is one that. There, I think there will be jobs for that one for quite a while. It, it's more for like the hardcore software engineers 
that are doing um, more uh, projects that are for a specific hardware set. Like if you needed to make an operating system, like, you know, that's probably going to be done in C++. Or if you have a specialized computer circuit that only has a certain amount of memory and, you know, it runs on a specialized hardware that's for some sort of special high-tech purpose, that's probably going to be done on C++ because it's got all of these methods in there to optimize the memory. And for really, though, for all of the uh, most average everyday programming type things and um, a lot of even the more complicated stuff. Yeah, you're right. It's not going to be C++ most of the time. <laughs> but I think, it, I think it'll be around at least five or maybe ten more years myself. I don't think it should be, you know, the number one priority for you to learn right now. <laughs> but if it, I think it would be good to know. You know, you might prioritize <laughs> the other ones that are more interesting, you know, before you go to C++. It's just you gotta you kind of have to make you know whatever choice you you want to make for yourself and I think it's good that you're researching these languages ahead of time before mm -hmm. you uh, like the last time I used C++ was in grad school my main project for my dissertation for mm -hmm. a PhD the core software of that project was written in C++ so I actually am glad that I learned C++ because I remembered how it works and you know the I was able to recognize in the code and you know I kind of had an idea of how object-oriented programming works and without that mm. knowledge I probably would have been quite a bit more lost and it, it was kind of a miracle that I made that work but that mm. wasn't even the majority of the coding that I was doing around that project that was where the core code was that I made the core modifications that I had to make mm. for my dissertation project. But then there was all of this code around that core piece of software that was facilitating it or maybe pre-processing the data or post-processing the data. There was a MySQL database that I, that, um, you know, I had to modify a little bit and also use to, to get the data and the answers. And then there was these Perl scripts that I, I wrote a whole bunch of Perl scripts to custom process the data and to run the C++ code in an automated script that would do it in parallel. And mm -hmm. there was shell scripts for the operating system to, uh, to do some of that. And then there was also R scripts that would do the higher level machine learning and uh, yeah, basically machine learning algorithms. It was easiest mm -hmm. to do that in R because of the libraries, and that's the typical way they were doing that. So I had to have mastered, you know, the Ubuntu operating system and command line. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I learned that's kind of interesting uh, from school is I learned the old school text editor software that's on every single Ubuntu computer. I don't think you really have to learn that. It's called VI, and they had another one called Emacs. Most of them are probably going to have Nano on it. And, you know, you might learn Nano before you try to learn VI, but I always use VI because I learned it really well in school. <laughs> or Vim, it's called VIM. Yeah, um, it's kind of that, that using that text editor is sort of a, a skill set in and of itself. You know, it's almost like a programming language because it's so different than typical text editor because there's no mouse. You have to do everything with the keyboard. But, you know, that's so probably unnecessary for you. I would probably learn how to use Nano 
because that one's also installed on all of them and it's newer. It's probably easier than Vim. So if I was going to start now, that's where I would start. I haven't even learned Nano because Vim works just fine for me and I, you know, gotcha. I already know how to do it. So. Gotcha. I'm kind of curious because um, you learned like a lot of uh, programming stuff in school. Um, was that was you were majoring in, in uh, computer science or were you majoring in something else, but you had to learn programming in it? Well, my major in undergrad was bioinformatics, and I, I went to Baylor, and that's actually a hybrid discipline between biology, computer science, and statistics. So it's sort of a specialized field. And the idea but for bioinformatics is to uh, analyze and statistically, you know, there's a lot of different aspects to it, but it's for big, big bio data. Um, like gotcha. next, you know, gene sequencing, uh, human genome project, gene expression, all of those machines that they have at those really fancy laboratories that cost sometimes, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars they'll spend on, <laughs> on, on all this stuff. Yeah, it's, I don't know how much it costs. It's ridiculous, though. But mm -hmm. it, it generates a ridiculous amount of data. And they will, they will do lab experiments to get um, cells, for example, and then they will send it into this machine and it'll, it'll read the genome or the transcriptome and it'll produce a ton of data. And so the bioinformatics job is to pick out what's, what makes sense in that data and try to come to conclusions and maybe filter out a bunch of noise out of it, run mm -hmm. statistics and machine learning. So I learned a whole lot of that stuff. But... I had to, in undergrad, I took quite a bit of computer science classes, not as much as a CS major, but almost as much. So I had a really good undergrad program that prepared me for that. I took a bunch of bio classes and, and uh, chemistry classes and a little bit of statistics and some bioinformatics specific classes. And then, I, then in grad school, my, I went to... Um, University of Arkansas, Little Rock, and they had a bioinformatics program over there too. So I was bioinformatics for undergrad, master's, and PhD. So I'm pretty oh, wow. much specialized in that. And it was a very, very difficult path. I wouldn't recommend it for, usually what I tell people is just avoid school altogether, but I did learn a whole lot in the process. And, you know, obviously my life path just led me there and I made it through it. And then I, I came out the other side and I, I learned a whole lot of really valuable technical stuff that I'm going to keep, you know, maintaining afterwards, although I might shift my focus into more things that are a little more interesting. Like that mean stack, I just think that's interesting and I can see the value. I didn't learn, I didn't learn uh, web development as much as all of that. Uh, data analysis stuff. So I think it, it would balance me out a bit to really focus a little on web development and figuring out the most modern methods and everything. So there's so many options with programming that, you know, the sky's the limit, basically. Another Honestly, thing, that, oh, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Um, no, what you mentioned, like uh, you mentioned in bioinformatics. Honestly, that sounds like very interesting. That sounds like something that I want to get into. I know you said that it's like very comp, like a, uh, bit more complicated uh but honestly just, just just things like that fascinate me like biology you know uh even like um because i was reading this book called uh, learning python the hard way and uh, the programmer gave some advice and he was like learning like how to program is one thing but using programming to to um learn something else like to implement it 
like uh, like any field, like mathematics, biology, science, is is the key. It's like you're you're you unleashing your highest potential. So um, that's something that I would like to do because right now, like me in, getting into school right now, I'm, I literally just got back into it, and my major right now is IT. I'm gonna switch that from IT to computer science, but eventually I want to be able to specialize in something even more narrow and more like um, more sciencey, <laughs> or maybe like something related to mathematics. And like honestly, up to this point, I'd never heard of bioinformatics before. So you mentioning that, honestly, that's that's very new to me. And that's something that I probably might want to look into when I transfer to a, a university. Um, Regarding to school, because I just started and, um, you know, it's been a while, honestly, like on and off. And uh, this is probably going to be like the first class I complete for college. And I'm doing good so far. I'm really happy for myself. Um, when you first started college and I, I, when you got from freshman to like into the more later years of college, how would you say, looking back at like your first years of college, would you say that it was a bit easier for you or was it harder? Like how did the experience, uh, how did the experience, how was the experience for you? Like did it get easier as it went on, when, as you went through it or harder? Well, I think it was about the same the whole way through. It might have actually got a little bit easier for some reason if I remember correctly. And I think that has something to do with focus and maybe almost like maturity level like mm -hmm. you know and priorities and I don't know motivation almost I wouldn't mm -hmm. say maybe the workload maybe got harder maybe not even the workload maybe the the material might have gotten harder but it was difficult the whole way for me like you know the first mm -hmm. class I took was C++ and that's not an easy one and then I took the uh, the Linux class and I think I don't I wouldn't say it really got much harder. I mean, the first chemistry class I took had a bunch of math in it, and that was more difficult than the latter organic chemistry classes that didn't really have that math and stuff. So I think it's really about uh, how focused are you, you know, how motivated are you? Are you willing to just do it? And even if it, even if it requires, you know, a little bit of sacrifice, that's going to determine, um, you know, how easy or difficult it is for you is your attitude, I would say. Mm -hmm. And I think that you, you've already kind of got onto the right path as far as the attitude and the thoughts and the emotions. Cause I was mm -hmm. clueless about all of that. You know, I was, mm -hmm. I was, you know, pretty much unconscious by the time, like I graduated when I was 22 and you're 24 mm -hmm. now. So I would say at your age is probably going to be a lot easier than it was for me because I sort of made it more difficult than it should have been. But that was unconscious, and I know better now. So, yeah, no. the The reason why I was asking, like, how the whole experience is, is because I, I mean, the studying is one thing, but um, when you're when you go, especially into university, I mean, like, you see all these people, and they, uh, you know, you always get. I always get this image in my head when I think of college, like college uh, people, like they 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 always like party. Uh, they binge drink or they are just, you know, being completely reckless and stuff like that. Um, so just, uh, you know, the idea of going to university sounds very strange for me, you know, especially like me being an introvert. And on top of that, you're, you're living this supposedly so social life in college. 
at the same time, you're throwing all this hard work at you and you're expected to get like straight A's and stuff like that. So it, it seems very competitive uh, for me, you know, like especially like now this class that I'm taking. It's, I'm not going to say like it's hard. It's actually easy, but I think that what, what's making it harder for me and for other people is just like uh, this, this sense of competitiveness between me and the other colleagues. You know, like for example, I, the class started out with uh, about 20 people and uh, you know I'm already past more than halfway through the class and there's only seven people left in the classroom if you ever experienced anything like that I mean to me that's that's pretty shocking um, I think that that just goes to show you that I feel like the college environment is a bit competitive what is your uh, view on that uh, regarding college life and just uh, competition well, see, it's designed that way, and it's a bad design. They set it up, um, you know, as an extension of high school, and it's got all of these fundamental problems, like the whole grading scale, the fact that you have to pay money to be there, you know, the fact that it's all competitive. That's, that's kind of unnecessary in life. Like, that's the surprising thing about, about uh you know how life can be is it doesn't have to be a big competition where we're all trying to make the most money it's like people have been programmed to think that's normal because they got them started on that in kindergarten of you know you're in a competition to get the best grades so that you can have the best future and that continues all the way up until they're done with college and then trying to get a job where now they're instead of grades they're competing over money which is just another thing that someone made up so mm -hmm. it's it's like you you start researching life you want to have a well-rounded perspective from not you know not just computer programming but also look into uh you know what's going on in the world i think you mm -hmm. know conspiracy type uh information is a very good place to look but also spirituality and just see what a lot of different people are saying and that'll make you into a well-rounded person and as mm -hmm. far as like the whole party scene and everything at college what I would tell you is um, you want to avoid toxic people who are you mm. know, sucking energy from their surroundings. And you want to avoid imbalanced people who have obvious personal problems that, you know, mm. have a tendency to become violent because they drink too much. And mm. you want to, if you're going to use any type of substances and even the foods you eat, you always want to, especially something like alcohol or cigarettes. I just pretty much totally avoid alcohol and cigarettes mm -hmm. and it's this is part of the whole mind control that americans especially are under is and kids it's really it's really tragic but college kids are really bad about this mm -hmm. they think that alcohol equals fun right and it doesn't mm -hmm. it's a total lie that's the exact opposite of the truth alcohol mm -hmm. is something that destroys all life it's basically choosing death over life it's and Right. So they've been misled and I wouldn't, I would make sure not to follow them down that path. Even if you're, even if you're occasionally around some of that, what I do is I just, I just don't drink, you know, and I don't care who, who thinks I'm weird or anything. I'm, you know, I'm too much secure in my own personhood to uh, even care. So like, I don't, I, and over time you'll attract people that are going to be beneficial for you because not everybody at college wants to drink. And then, you know, some of them are smarter than that. Surprisingly, there are ones that are smarter. And if you just don't go where that crowd of idiots goes, you'll, mm -hmm. you'll attract the right people who 
are going to, you know, support you and uplift you. And there's also alternatives to alcohol and cigarettes, for example, that are actually helpful and fun and good for you when you use them, you know, correctly. And like what I would recommend is just occasionally maybe have a little bit of weed if, if that's something you could try and make sure that you're starting slow with these because they're very, very powerful and it can overwhelm you and give you like fear and stuff. And you don't want to become totally de dependent on them, especially weed, because that one has a tendency to, to almost make you its slave. And then it can screw up a lot of things in your life. So I only use that maybe every couple of weeks or so, but I, I consistently do it because it gives you a whole lot of benefit and other perspective. And then I would, I would recommend that you occasionally check out, uh, you know, psychedelics like mushrooms. I, I go for the plants myself that are natural <clears throat> and you don't have to take large doses of these. They work, they work very well at very tiny doses to where you don't, you're almost not even noticing the effect. And if you <clears throat> just kind of consistently take in a little bit here and there, they will make you way smarter and they'll make your imagination better and they'll make you feel a lot better about life. And they will give you the ability to process a lot of the emotional garbage and stuff. And it's kind of sad, but most, especially college-age students, are completely unaware of that. Most of them are. And it's, it's, uh, it's really, you know, one of the most powerful things that you can do, although they want to scare everybody away from it. So that's kind of my advice on that is just make good choices and, and you'll attract people who will, who will uplift you and benefit you instead of a bunch of selfish parasites or, or, you know, irresponsible people or whatever, whatever. Not saying that everyone who drinks is like that, but a lot of them are. That's yeah, that's like uh, you touched on it right there. That's just like my biggest priority is to just surround myself with people who have the same mindset as me. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, they're going to be people that are way smarter than me. There's going to be people that are going to be, you know, get caught up into that whole drinking thing. I think just the main priority is to be able to have a social environment where you're around people who are uh, just as focused as you are, but also you guys share the same chemistry. You guys can have fun and stuff like that. And uh, you, you touched up on shrooms. Actually, I, I heard about how shrooms has like a, um, a, a like a treating property for people with like depression, anxiety. That sounds very interesting. Uh, it does sound a little bit scary, but we'll see. Maybe later down the road, I might give it a shot. Who knows? <laughs> well, if you just start slow. It won't be scary. If you just if you start really slow, that's how you do it and not get scared. You can have a bad trip if you're taking way too much and you're in the wrong environment. That's how you have a bad time. So is like if you're starting slow with all of those, even weed can cause a whole bunch of paranoia. You just, that's really, you know, the key is just go at your own pace. They're going to work even if you take small amounts. So. Um, regarding to, cause you, you mentioned, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to take a little step back. Uh, you, you chose uh, bioinformatics. Um, I also wanted to ask, um, what are the type of fields are there that are, that are more specialized uh, regarding computer science in another major that, that you might uh, think that, that might interest me? Well, they have one now. It's called medical informatics. It, I would say it's similar to bioinformatics, except focused on medical data. Mm -hmm. And then, like you already mentioned earlier, the blockchain is going to be huge. Blockchain... Um, 
and it's a wide open field that is going to be big time in demand. And, you know, for example, the uh, EOS blockchain, the primary language right now for that is C++. <laughs> so knowing C++ would have came in, in handy, you know, when that one launches in June. But that's probably something that you're going to have to do on your own because, you know, college, it's going to be a while before they get a blockchain program that's actually good at training people to uh, develop, you know, blockchain technology. There's a book that I read that's really good about Bitcoin. And I think you would find this very interesting. It's called Mastering Bitcoin. It goes through all the technical details and it'll demystify um, the whole Bitcoin thing. For you and I got a lot of benefit out of it. Even though Bitcoin is not really the main cryptocurrency for the you know for the long term future or anything, it was sort of the original one. And you'll pick up the foundations of what a blockchain is and you know how it was how it worked, at least in Bitcoin. And it's very interesting too. So it'll teach you about cryptography as well and what. You know, statistics is a good uh, field in general, and that, that would share a lot of the same type of programming stuff. I think you're, you're on the right path as far as majoring in computer science instead of IT, because that's mm -hmm. going to give you a much stronger technical skill set to uh, mm -hmm. really do some, some of the harder projects, you know, that are, that are more fulfilling too, because you're right about... You know, programming can be pretty enjoyable whenever you're in the flow of it and you're not feel like you're under too much pressure and <clears throat> kind of go at your own pace. There is a, there is a weird enjoyment to it. And I th it takes a special type of person to appreciate that. And I appreciate it here and there, not all the time, but I do. Yeah. I see how, how fun it can be. <clears throat> and uh, I think it's good that you at least recognize that because... You know, I thought it was kind of cool in college. I was like, yeah, this isn't bad. I'm learning neat stuff. You know, codes are kind of neat. I never knew it worked this way. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't really appreciate it that much. Now that I'm out and I'm kind of self-motivated, whenever <laughs> I do some programming, I, I do feel a sense of accomplishment. And I feel like I'm spending my time valuably. And it's, it's a little bit rewarding and kind of fun and, and just <laughs> interesting. So. Right. Um and like, uh, like as well as, as with respect to programming for you, uh, what kind of projects do you plan on working on the future for yourself? Like what, what are you going to be getting into regarding programming? Well, I have three sort of uh, kind of projects that I've been um, working out in my mind for quite a while, a few years. Like I've sort of always wanted my own website, right? And I've sort of always wanted to be able to sell things on the internet. And I, I did get the blog and I didn't even have to code. I was going to have a, the blog on my own website, but Steemit is such a good platform for that, that, you know, I'm probably not going to do my own blog, but I'll probably still have my own website that, that'll have, you know, a lot of my information and whatever I want to put on there. And I'm doing that using the mean stack. And then I have uh, a site. I have two domain names. Um, mm -hmm. One is called Organate, where I sell Organite, which is a really neat kind of energy devices that I make. And uh, I thought it would be cool to have my own website that I can sell that from. I don't have anything really up there yet, since I'm still sort of learning that mean stack, right? But for now, those are probably those two. I don't remember if there's really another one or not. 
in the future, if I can get those two going and, and looking good, that'll set me up because I'm already hooked up in a community that's got really, really big plans for, uh, you know, the future of humanity, at least in, in our neck of the woods. And that sounds, that sounds really interesting right there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, we're, we're going to be moving away from the city and we're going to have more of a village sustainable, like independent type of lifestyle. And they've got big ideas like, you know, having our own cryptocurrency exchange. And if I already mm -hmm. know how to do web programming, you know, then I can plug right into that and get going. And they, they started their own cryptocurrency that's, you know, coming out this year. And Really, the really, I'm just kind of going with the flow, and I do a whole lot of things outside of programming. So, really, <laughs> since I graduated, I haven't put that much energy into programming, but I have a, a little bit here and there. So, I'm kind of gotcha. going with things, and you know, it's very important to stay uh, on top of it at least a little bit over <laughs> the course after you graduate. If you if you don't have a job, otherwise, that technology will change so fast. That will leave you behind in like three. If you don't do anything for five years, now you now you've got like a whole bunch of catch up. So I I'm aware of that, and I I do plan on staying you know relatively modern and putting the energy into it here and there because you know they trained me really well and it's a very valuable skill. And I feel like part of my job here uh, on Earth is to uh, take advantage of some of that computer stuff that I was trained to do and that I'm pretty good at. So. No, that, that sounds like really cool. Um, like you mentioned, yeah, just go with the flow. That's that's what I'm doing. I'm just taking my pace because uh, like you mentioned, within five years, they're going to have another language shout or uh, something new will come up. And um, I think I'm just satisfied with where I'm at right now. I'm learning uh, already computer programming. And, uh, you know, it's very important to go at your own pace because if you don't, you're just going to end up getting overwhelmed with it very easily. So in, in finding joy in it, for me, that's just very important. And the reason why I was asking you like future projects is because maybe down the road, like I'd be more than happy to maybe once I get better, obviously I'm still a noob. <laughs> um, but uh, who knows, maybe, maybe later down the road, me and you could collab and uh, work on a project. And maybe like you mentioned website, maybe we could like, I don't know, get our own website going together, I could help you out, you know, I think that'd be something that I would really look forward to, you know. Um, another thing that I was going to ask regarding books, because you mentioned quite a few books uh, earlier on in the podcast. Um, I, I wanted to ask, like, what are some books that you could recommend regarding, like, fields like programming, personal development, or college? Because um, it sounds like you, you have a good... Uh, a uh, good range of books that, that you have read that you could recommend. Uh, what are some, like you just mentioned, Mastering Bitcoin, I definitely want to check that out because I want to learn more about blockchain. Um, but what other ones uh, on the top of your head that, that, you, uh, that you read that were actually good that I could get into that would, um, yeah, that, that's something that I'd be interested in. Cool. Well, yeah, I mentioned that Getting Mean book, right? You, you wrote that one down, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. It was about the mean stack with JavaScript. Uh, let me think here. I, I do read a lot, and Joe Dispenza has really uh, good books. I just ordered a new one of his. It's sort of like self-development and self-help, and he kind of, you might already understand this, but he kind of 
really is really good at explaining how the thoughts, emotions, and then your choices um, determine what's how the uh, environment's going to be, and then that feeds back into those three. You might already get that, maybe not. I I read a lot. That's one thing I've been putting a whole lot of um, energy. <laughs> So, you know, if I can't remember any off the top of my head, you know, we'll talk afterwards and I can start texting you stuff <clears> there. And I did, I did a really good blog post just like last week about how to get to the truth using the trivium method, which was one of, you know, Mark <clears> Nassio's <throat> teachings. And the way you do that is you look at a wide variety of information sources about a wide variety of topics and you take in in a, in a different you know formats and platforms like you could watch youtube videos and then you could get into podcasts that are really good and then you can also read books and then you can also uh you know every other way but you process that in your mind and you connect the dots and then the inconsistencies will show up and then you can forget about certain things and then you share what you've learned with other people that's the third step of it and then they, they will give you feedback, which is another input. It's like three steps, input, processing, and output. And, you know, that's what I've been putting into practice on, my daily, on a daily basis is just doing research on whatever interests me, um, you know, not prejudging an information source or, and then letting it sit and, you know, sort of being quiet and seeing how, how I feel about it and, you know, what kind of thoughts come up. And then I, I'm always kind of sure to uh, share what I've learned pretty regularly on both the podcast and on the blog that I made. So mm -hmm. as far as, you know, specific books right now, uh, I ordered another Greg Braden book, which is sort of a uh, kind of leading edge biologist who has a who had a long biology career and you know he's got some pretty neat ideas that are against sort of mainstream the story that mainstream biology tells you like mm -hmm. um one of his ideas was that the cell membrane is what's really the brain of the uh the cell instead of the dna because for a long time they were just obsessed with dna and they thought that controlled the whole thing but sort of in a recent book, you know, a couple of years ago, it's called The Biology of Belief. He was saying that the membrane is actually more controller of it. And I just ordered a new one of his that came out in October. So, you know, Greg, Greg Braden's a good author. Um, Joe Dispenza is a good author. I like to read history books, uh, maybe conspiracy books here and there. I've, I've really been, you know, just whatever interests me. At the, at the time, I, I have a big book collection and I'm just pretty, sh I'm sure to just, you know, read a little bit of them every day. I don't think, I don't know if I'll ever read all of the books I have, but you know, it's nice to have options. Walter Russell is a really good author. He's got like a lot of the uh, very, very interesting, you know, the way he describes um, science uh, and physics. It's, it's, sort of like his own little genius way to do it that's totally different than Einstein and you know mm -hmm. mainstream I, I would look into Walter Russell if you're if you if that's something that interests you and um, books for programming specifically you know I would just sort of look on Google 
or even <laughs> Amazon and whatever topic you know that you that you're kind of curious about see if there's not something on Amazon like one that I kind of got into a little bit and I read half of was like it's called the DevOps handbook because I just sort of one day I I figured out you know there's there's an entire field called DevOps and it's like it's like a new field that sort of combines IT and uh, you know developers and then operations is another is another aspect of a, a large company and they all have different jobs it's like the developers do code and they're implementing new features and then the operations people are the ones who are running the servers and the ones who are setting up test environments and this DevOps book was was showing this new style of organizing a company where uh, the operations and the dev is sort of combined into one responsibility that a small team of programmers is responsible for both. And what mm -hmm. that does is it makes the whole pipeline of development to, uh, to uh, customers using the new product and makes it much, much faster because the dev people, when they have something that needs to be tested, they don't have to wait for the operations people to uh, set up an environment because that can bottleneck mm -hmm. the whole thing at the company because you know you have to put in a ticket with a totally gr different group of people and it takes them forever like months sometimes so like Amazon for example and a lot of these larger companies that are that are doing well they switched their entire development you know style their their company organization to this DevOps model that sort of streamlines the whole process I don't know I found it kind of kind of interesting maybe not so much relevant it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of technical programming books. It's like there's five or ten for each language and each topic. Mm -hmm. I kind of just Google uh, a few of them, and you know, sometimes you just have to pick one. Like, that's how I found that Getting Mean book. I just, I, I just stumbled across the mean stack, and then I found a book, and that book is pretty good. It's, it's got a couple places in the book where the code maybe has like a, a, a miss you know, a misspelling or, or something's changed maybe in the software so it doesn't work. But you can like Google that specific problem in a couple different ways and you'll come across another person who is doing the exact same guide in the book. Mm -hmm. And you might even be able to ask me if I can remember, you know, what, what exactly was wrong. But mm -hmm. Google is like one of the most powerful programmers tools that there is. And a lot of times if you run into a problem coding, Mm -hmm. I'm sure someone's told you this already, but Google is like the first place you want to go and you want to get pretty, pretty good at using it too. Cause it's got mm -hmm. a few tricks. Like you can search for, you, you can search a specific site, you know, for answers. That's a good trick. And mm -hmm. I think you already figured that one out though, but when you have a problem, just go to Google. It'll solve it for you. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I'll be sure to text you, you know, if good books come to my mind. That I'm reading or that I've read uh, this year because I'm just reading all the time and it's usually not programming myself. I'm, um, you know, I just find it, you know, interesting. I started, I got into that habit maybe four, four years ago or so towards the end of grad school. I just realized how fun it is to read books and how, how much you learn. And so, you know, I want to get to that point where like, where uh, the idea of a good night is to read a book. That's that's what I, how I, that's the behavior I want to have. 
Well, start with the books that interest you. Like if you see a book that just catches your eye and it, and it doesn't have to be super uh, technical. Like I used to read psychopath books when I was in grad school in Little Rock. I've, they were always at the thrift stores, right? And I would just start collecting them. And I read a few of them and I don't know, it interested me. You learn a lot from just books like that if that's the path you need to go down. And then I started reading, you know, a little bit of conspiracy books like David Icke, for example. And, you know, you'll... You just, whatever, whatever book catches your mind, it doesn't have to be technical. Read, I like to read multiple books at the same time because one of them will start to get boring halfway through it. And if you're determined to finish that book before you move to the next book, you might never get to that next book. So like, I, I've usually got, you know, two or three books, maybe just one that I'm really reading at the moment, but sometimes I'll get bored and then go back to an old one that I didn't finish or just start a new one. So it's like, I don't know. You, you kind of have to go with the flow of things, but it becomes fun. It's kind of, I think you'll get there. I think I'm, you know, you're, you're ready to learn. I can tell. And you know, you're, you're looking for, you know, answers about how to uh, be the best version of yourself. And really that's like, you know, one of the first steps down the path of becoming the best version of yourself is just like, you know, for me, I had to go through a bunch of suffering and then, then I, I sort of hit rock bottom and then it snapped me out of it. And I was like, well, what do I got to do to start having fun? Cause this is just terrible. <laughs> yep. Like it's, it's, it's one thing to have fun and just, you know, go out and party, but it's another thing to be able to have fun and at the same time be productive. I think that's the key. That's like, that's you, when you learn to unlock that skill, I think you're, you're set, you're, you're on your way to a better life, basically, not just, uh, status wise but also just spiritually like i think that uh when we are not pursuing our calling we end up falling into these problems like you mentioned like alcohol and drugs and, and all this other stuff and uh it's just it's this it's like this trap that um that you just gotta avoid and uh it, it even gets easier honestly like when you start to enjoy things that are making you more productive and stuff like that you know i think i think life just gets easier like yeah that's that's called escapism and the funny thing is that you can't escape the re responsibility and the work like it's impossible mm -hmm. to escape it and to try to do so is just going to make your life really out of balance and and eventually all that pleasure that you're trying to escape with is going to be taken away from you mm -hmm. only after everything in, in else in your life goes really bad so it, i think you already get it and um let's see mark passio talks about the great work and, you know, as being spiritual and upliftment of all humanity, starting with yourself. And mm -hmm. then he doesn't usually mention this, but there's also a balancing factor called the great play, which life is both work, the great work and the great play. And you kind of have to balance, they have to balance each other off. If you're mm -hmm. only doing the great play 24 hours a day, you're just not gonna it's not gonna work out in the long run and if you're only focused on work and you never lighten up and do anything fun well you'll burn out and then you will stop being as productive you sometimes you got to take a break and just have fun for a bit and then it recharges you and it feeds right back into the great work and i would highly recommend checking out mark passio's information um jen your cousin might have mentioned him to you before but you know that that's the reason that both me and her had gone to that free your mind conference was because of Mark Passio because he's that good. He has a podcast. Um, that's where most of his information is, and he's got some stuff on YouTube and he does special presentations here and there. Mm -hmm. You know, 
that guy was probably the the main influence that really set me down the path of like spiritual advancement and i i would go ahead and probably read a few of uh my uh my blog posts i have a really good one about sexual techniques you know to master sexuality and when you can get really good at harvesting and and using your sexual energy the correct way it'll feed into all of your work and everything else in your life like the the main techniques that i found that really advance everything in your life at the same time is uh, not masturbating and then not watching internet porn and also regular fasting that feeds into the other one because you know i don't know if anyone's ever told you that but that's one of the things that I learned right when I hit rock bottom and started to turn it around was mm -hmm. that, you know, masturbation totally screws up everything in my life. And I just, if I just, you know, do my best not to do that, you know, everything gets way, way better. So it's something that nobody ever told me. I don't know if it helps you or not, but if, if you never heard it, I would, I would try it out. Cause I'm kind of curious. Um, have you heard of, um, NoFap? Yes. Yeah. That's they're They're right on with that. The, there's a thing that can balance that out because what would happen for me is I would get so desirous that it would become a distraction to the mm -hmm. point where, you know, I can't, couldn't focus on work because all I could think about was girls. When you mm -hmm. get to that point and I had the bad thought patterns, which, which, you know, made it all worse because I would start to get really negative and down on myself because mm -hmm. I couldn't get girls. And then I was really, uh, they were all I could think about. What I found years later, I only found this out, you know, last year, was if you fast, when you get to that ridiculously energetic point where it's, it's all consuming, you just mm -hmm. stop eating for maybe 12 hours to a day, it'll take mm -hmm. it down a notch. And then you can focus and get all of your work done and all of those bad emotions go away. So that's mm -hmm. probably not even on the NoFap website, but I sort of discovered that on my own. And they work mm -hmm. so well together that it was really the other missing piece that I needed. I, I had mm -hmm. gotten that no masturbation, no fap thing down so well, mm -hmm. you know, that I pretty much never did it anymore. But I, would, I was constantly walking around in, in this just total energetic frenzy of desire. And then, and then I would inevitably start beating myself up, which kind of self-sabotaged me and, and, you know, became... You know, I had a bunch of emotional problems of like anger and disappointment and frustration. Frustration was a big one, pretty much constant. The yeah. fasting, you know, will take all of that down a notch and then it'll allow you to process those emotions to where they're in a way that's not totally overwhelming. And then mm -hmm. it, after getting the fasting down for a few months, then I was able to finally just really focus on my thoughts and my feelings. And um, I, did, I was doing all three of those at the same time. And I was also eating concentrated like aphrodisiacs and adaptogens and superfood powders from Amazon. Gotcha. So, yeah, I'm still doing all of that. And they work very, very well together. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah. yeah that, that'll help you more, mm -hmm. more than a whole lot of other things. Like the, the thoughts and the emotions are fundamental, but... Mm -hmm. I, with all of that energy I had, you know, it was just almost impossible to control my thoughts because mm -hmm. like, like they would go negative every time, you know, and I would start complaining and then I, and then I couldn't stop it. And I was like, I don't, I didn't even want to try to stop it because I just was kind of, I don't know why <laughs> it was, a, it was a bad habit. Mm -hmm. So like yeah. the fasting really, really revolutionized all that for me. And then, you know, the psychedelics mm -hmm. too, but 
you, you'll get there. Yeah. No, thanks a lot for uh, sharing this information. I really appreciate it. That fasting one sounds actually very interesting. Um, I'm, I'm kind of skinny, so I don't know. I, I want to give it a shot, but I also want to I want to lose weight. <laughs> well, the way I do it, um, the way I do it is every morning I just fast sort of as much as I feel like up until like today I didn't start eating till four. Yesterday I only made it till noon or so. That's sort of how I do it. And then I try to stop eating, you know, before it gets too late. Some days I don't do as well with that because, you know, once you break the fast, you have a tendency to just pig out for the rest of the night. So... <clears throat> You know, and I'm really skinny. I'm really skinny. I would say maybe when I first started doing it, I might have lost, you know, five or 10 pounds, but I haven't even weighed myself. I don't feel like I've lost very much weight at all because your body will adapt to, to, the, to the fasting. And then once you do eat, like you'll, you'll, you'll eat a bunch and then your, your body will just regain all that energy because it's been adapted to, uh, you know, regular intermittent fasting is what it's called. So it's, you know, and I do a lot of exercise, like lifting weights and stuff. And I just feel like I'm getting in better and better shape, you know, since I started fasting and I don't feel like I've really lost any muscle mass. <laughs> so uh, just try it out and see, see how it works for you. It's, it's cool. so great because you can, when you're fasting and you're not eating, you have, you focus so hard on the things you need to do that day. <laughs> it's like whenever your body's full of food, it somehow clouds your mind and then it demotivates you because a lot of that energy that's in your body is focused on digesting the food. And so if, you, if you'll just wait to eat until after all your work is done, you'll get your work done so much faster. And you, we'll also process emotions that were hidden deep down that you know, if, you, if you'd been eating all day, you would have never got to that stuff that needs to be sort of processed or taken out so it's mm -hmm. really amazing i kind of got into it at first when i was at the end of grad school and i didn't mm -hmm. start doing it every day until like you know late last year and it's it's one of the most awesome techniques that's really simple it's a simple one it you know you can make it you can do it as little or as often as you want but it's just a simple piece of knowledge that most people are totally unaware of that if, they, if they'll just practice it, you know, here and there, it'll, it'll make everything in their life better. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Thanks a lot for uh, sharing this with me. I pretty much got all the information I need. I definitely want to, you know, get in touch more with you and explore the world of coding and, you know, uh, personal development and all that stuff. Uh, yeah. I definitely want to get in more touch with this. Um, yeah. Th thank you for all of this. I really appreciate it. Oh, of course. And you got my number and don't be afraid to use it. And, and mm -hmm. you know, we can do more podcasts yeah. if you're ever interested or if you got any questions about mm -hmm. blogging or, or podcasts or coding or, you know, spiritual mm -hmm. stuff or anything. Definitely. I, I want to do more with this. I definitely do want to tag along and, and maybe work on a project. You know, um, I'm just now starting to get myself involved with people who are, are interested in this kind of stuff, you know what I mean? And unless away from, uh, you know, people who just, you know, mediocre. I don't know what else to call them, you know. Yeah, um, that's fine. That's a good word for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, yeah, after this, I definitely got to head off to the gym and then just finish up some homework and studying and stuff like that and then go to sleep. I'm trying to get up early every morning. Yeah, me too. Um, 
and I, I got some books to read, you know, before I go to bed. So it, it was a good, good meeting. I'm, I'm glad, uh, you know, we did this and everything. So I guess yeah. I'll let you go. Yeah, it was nice to meet you, Nathan, and definitely we'll keep in touch. And um, yeah, have, enjoy the rest of your evening, man. It, it was a great conversation we had. Thank you. Talk to you later. All right, then. All right, I'm going to hang up. All right, thanks a lot. Take care.